Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump on a little journey out of the house, and I get a chance to talk with you again about module systems. I'm excited. I have been reading um, a paper called A Modular Module System by Xavier Leroy, who is the um, main uh, designer and implementer behind OCaml. And the OCaml uh, functional programming language, which is, uh, you know, a very important uh, language sign coming from academia and having industrial impact. And so that's that's definitely exciting. And uh, so I was reading this paper that he wrote. Uh, it's a journal of functional programming paper, and it's a tutorial about uh, about the module system of OCaml. And he says it's actually the standard ML module system. So that's good. Uh, covering therefore some you know more than just OCaml, but also uh, SML, Standard ML of New Jersey, um, and perhaps others. I'd, I'm actually not sure what else implements that particular language specification. Uh, and his the paper you might uh, you know if you're looking for a paper to read that's pretty um, re relatively accessible, you might try this one because again it's called a modular module system. You can easily find it by searching online, Xavier, X-A-V-I-E-R, Leroy, oh, there's baby geese, L-E-R-O-Y. We got, it's baby, baby geese time right now. It's, uh, they're, <laughs> the big geese get really defensive when the babies are kind of in play here. And the babies are cute for a little while, and they quickly grow up and become not that cute. Anyway, uh, so yeah, you can find this paper, Modular Module System. And the thing, I, reason I would recommend it to you is it's really an engineering paper. And so it's not like overloaded with, it doesn't really presuppose a ton of background. I mean, you probably, you might struggle to read it if you're not familiar with OCaml program, OCaml code. Or, I mean, anyway, it's it's basically a code walkthrough of a design of, a, of an implementation of a module system for OCaml, but the, the implementation is done in a very simple and, as it, the paper title says, modular way. So Lerois is trying to show, and in fact, in the paper, he gives he shows that he can instantiate his implementation both to have a module system for um, an ML-like language, but also to have one for C, which is cool. <laughs> so you can do like these pretty, uh, pretty complicated module. Um, definitions with C code as being the code that's actually contained within your modules. Anyway, so um, it's a it's a really good paper. I recommend it. And again, it doesn't have it really doesn't presuppose much except probably the ability to make your way through code walkthroughs. It's just the paper is just a big code walkthrough um, in OCaml. So um, so I I'd, I'd like to talk about the module system as I've learned about it from this particular paper, there's a lot of research literature on related to the module system of ML, partly because I think it's fair to say that's that's one of the most complicated, or if, if not the most complicated, uh, module systems that's out there. Uh, and it's, you know, it's intending to provide a lot of power. Uh, and so um, I'm, I'd like to try to to the again, the best of my limited knowledge and a, and a very limited experience. I have used OCaml's module system before when I was writing OCaml some years ago, but it's been a while. And um, so the thing, so right off the bat, the module system. Like if we compare 
to which to Haskell's as we were talking about. Um, in Haskell, right, you basically just have files, um, you know, source code, source files um, embody, you know, modules, and uh, your modules just show what names or what entities are imported and exported, and then all the action was just in controlling. Um, you know the name, the names you're allowed to use in your file to reference things from other files. So, um, in contrast, the um, OCaml module system, and again, I believe I'm understanding that to be the standard ML module system, uh, it gives a lot more structure. So modules, so there's a whole module language that sits on top of the term language. And in fact, the law's paper makes the point that in fact it could sit on top of different programming languages. It doesn't have to sit on top of just a, a functional language even. But this module language, modules are, um, you basically have a little programming language for assembling modules. So there are functions that they call functors that you kind of can take a module as an input and produce a module as an output. Um, and there are basic modules that are called structures that just contain sort of code components. Um, but there are also module types, which they call signatures. Uh, so if you have a module, it has a type in this sort of module programming language. So it's like the module system is like a, pr a, a programming language for sort of architecting or putting together the, the bigger level building blocks of your code that sits on top of your actual programming language. And um, so just that description right there, I hope it leaves you with the impression that I have as well, which is that it's a much more sophisticated and sort of powerful setup, but also quite a bit more complicated. Um, Haskell's module system is very simple. I mean, in fact, it's so simplistic compared to this that you'd almost be embarrassed to be describing these as, as being the same kind of thing. I mean, here with ML's module system, you have a basically a dependently typed language. Like, the, And where does the dependent typing come in? Uh, well, he makes this statement about this in the paper. <laughs> um, and I'm uh, really a little sorry to say, I'm not quite sure I grasp that. Uh, there's definitely things about... Um, you know, module, okay, so a structure, uh, okay, okay, we have a structure, that's kind of like, just like what we, the structure is like the equivalent of a Haskell module, kind of, I mean, it's, it's just a collection of code definitions, this kind of thing, so that's what sort of defines your entities, and then a signature, again, is sort of a type for one of these, and using the signature, you can, well, for one thing, you can um, hide some things, so you can say, this module uh, you know, the, the signature can say, I'm the, I'm the type of for modules which present some type, T, let's say, which is a standard, pretty common name for the OCaml modules to use for an abstract type. Like if you have a, tr a module for binary search trees or something, it might say, oh, I have a type T, but I'm going to keep abstract what that type is, and I have some operations on that type, and Maybe I have a bunch of internal code too, internal functions, but I simply, um, I'm simply going to use that module, um, that structure with a signature that just talks about some of it. So, like your signature can specify less than you actually provide in your structure, and this kind of thing quickly leads to the need for a subtyping relation on your your signatures. Uh, and your module type. So 
we're talking about <laughs> sitting on top of your programming language. We're talking about, and again, I'm sorry, I can't quite say, I don't know exactly why they, it's dependently typed, which I am a dependent type theorist, so I would have liked to be able to tell you. <laughs> um, but uh, you have a dependently typed um, programming language with subtyping sitting on top of your programming language. So that that is pretty complicated and fancy. Um, I, I would like to, it'd be very nice to sort of be able to say, well, look, this is the kind of thing you can do with that system that you really would have no hope of doing with Haskell's system. Presumably, one should be able to find examples like that because Haskell's system is doesn't provide the ability for a module to say, oh, I depend on another module, right? In Haskell, I mean, sorry, in, in OCaml and with this SML module system, you can declare a functor, which basically says, give me a module that implements this interface, and I'll give you back a module that implements this other interface. And so now you can express kind of dependencies. One module needs another module to do its job. Um, and you express this with these module types, like a so-called signature, and so the actual particular details of the modules are, are, can be hidden. Um, so this is pretty amazing. Of course, that means that modules can be, um, or I guess I shouldn't say of course, but modules can be nested too, so you can have a structure that, can, that contains another structure as a component. Uh, so and actually, it's really a pretty cool thing about this paper of Leroy's that he sort of shows that to implement this like really pretty frighteningly complicated <laughs> module system, um, it's really not that bad. There's like some simple notions, and he he puts some emphasis at the start of the paper on the distinction between a name and an identifier. Um, what is that distinction really? Uh, I don't know. I'm actually not crazy about this distinction, but. He's. He, I mentioned this well, both because that's something that was really thought provoking to me reading this paper. And I'm so his idea is that like we might have a bunch of different names for an entity, but the identifier is kind of it's sort of it's kind of like its official name or something. It's like some way, but it's it's not an, an identifier is internal to the code. It's not something I'm using in my source code. I mean, it's internal to the implementation of the compiler. The identifier is somehow trying to give me a unique handle on an entity defined in some somewhere. Uh, whereas the name, you might have multiple different names that refer to this entity with, with its, its identifier. Now, I don't, again, as I said, I'm actually really unconvinced about this. And um, I'm, this is the part of the paper that's got me scratching my head the most, which is hardly the, the most important part of the paper um, for general purposes. But uh, anyway, I think um, my takeaway is that you know, you can a module system can get fancy enough that it's basically a pretty elaborate programming language sitting on top of your code, and I, I would I'm sh I'm positive that you would be able to find examples that this enables that would just be you know I mean it it shouldn't be hard right just anything that's like oh okay if I have um I mean actually the 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 paper itself, I, I shouldn't be hemming and hawing so much. The paper itself gives a beautiful example of this, which is the implementation of this type checker for the module system is itself crafted in this way using OCaml's module system. So it does things like say, oh, the module, to type check a module, there's like a, there's a, a, a module in the compiler that's defining the code to 
that's defining type checking for module expressions. And it's like, well, to type check a module expression, I need to know how to type check the actual programming language expressions that occur inside that module. And so the my implementation module, um, my this gets so hard to talk through, I'm sorry. My implementation my module in my compiler for type checking module expressions depends on a module for type checking programming language expressions. That sort of makes sense. And how would you try to do that in Haskell's module system? Um, yeah, I don't that I'm not, I don't think that would, you basically don't have an obvious way to do that right off the bat. Um, so this kind of building these structures that can express dependencies on other structures, that's, that is pretty powerful. Um, so anyway, uh, more to think about here for sure. Um, I've reached my destination, so I have to stop talking about this for now. Uh, and maybe we'll continue talking about this for one more. And, and thank you to a listener who pointed out some, you know, this, uh, OCaml's module system, the, the language is complicated enough that it looks like so you can actually loop the type checker. And this was some email to the OCaml list from the late 90s. Uh, so I don't know if that situation has changed or anything. Um, but, you know, your programming language on top, your module programming language can get fancy enough that you it starts to be behave like a real programming language. You can make a loop and whatever. So whether that's a good thing or not, mm, I would say I would be very... Uh, quite a bit skeptical about that <laughs> okay anyway um thanks again for listening and you know i'll be trying to get episodes out as i can semester here at the university of iowa is wrapping up which is nice so a little more time this summer but not any more level of um errands to do you know the iowa type theory errand run didn't quite have the same ring as the iowa type theory commute all right take care thanks for listening